Hi everybody and welcome to, to the Endless Alts, the Double Pivot, our new Wednesday show, episode three. I'm joined by Jed. How are you, buddy? Fine, Steve. Fine, Paul. Good man, I'm Franny. How about yourself? I mean, what happened Monday night? I don't think the viewers even know, but there, you glossed over it well and carried on like a champ. <laughs> I glossed over it well, Stephen, because I didn't notice until it came off. I pointed it to me that I put the wrong video up. I just I took the video then looked at my phone and totally missed Franny, it. Franny, it's all right, mate. I just think it was you never noticed. Everybody else did. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> 100% but here. It's good to have you along. I mean, Valentine's Day. You know, non-romantics, you know, I mean, that's that's what the crack is of this one. But we'll get stuck in. I've got two screens up nice. So if you see me looking at the left or right hand side, I'm not being ignorant. I'm just trying to get stuff up on the screen. First of all, the predictor table that we have gone on at the minute for the scores. Anthony is Ant McGinty is way out in front with 13 points. James is second, Ross third, myself fourth. I know I predicted that one all draw for Fifth is Willie, sixth is Jed, seventh is Franny. Eighth is Gavin, and ninth is our very own Anthony Dunn. So pretty looking tight. People can claw that back in, in this week's predictions. We'll get on to them towards the end of the podcast. But before we get to that, I'm going to do quick fire questions. Now, I know you've had this done to you before. Um, who wants to volunteer for it tonight? Go on, Dad, yep. you're more you're more enthusiastic, Franny. So it's like, well, I don't, I don't care. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> right, Dad. So... Best night as a Celtic fan. Night night. What's your best night? It was. In fact, Franny, I think your dad was maybe even at this event. It was the year we won the league in our centenary where we put Dundee. And that night it was the Falkhouse supporters do. And it still went ahead. And Pat Bonner and Tommy Burns still came along that night, even though they won the league that day. That was, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. So it was, so, that day for me. And then followed by Stoughton, 10 in a row, when we beat St. John's. Oh, incredible. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? 1987. There you um, are. Yeah. Reasoning? Just, just, uh, 17, so I was learning to drive. I just thought of his greatest things in sliced bread, trying to get any pubs and stuff like that when you were underage. So, so yeah, then the 80s. The um, 80s, no problem. Pick one player in your lifetime that embodies everything Celtic stands for. Tommy Bonds. Can't really argue with that. What a legend, legend of the game, brilliant manager as well. If you could afford any car, what would it be? An Aston Martin. Any particular maker or model? No, they're that many. I'd, I would just go and pick one of the showroom. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay them money. So I'm, I'm, I'm... Who is the best ever Celtic goalkeeper in your lifetime? Rob Douglas. Rob Douglas. I mean, I liked, I, liked, I liked Paddy Bonner, but he probably wasn't the best. Um, probably one of the best keepers we've had, actually, was Craig Gordon. Mm. Good keeper when he was a Celtic, 100%. Mm. Paul McFarlane, great to have you along, buddy. Oh. Um, dead the new James Bond. Oh, yes, looking fresh. Yeah. Tonight, he says. yeah. I would appreciate <laughs> Next one. 
<laughs> what is your hidden talent? I'm not a bad golfer. Uh, I'm quite sure that like. If you could choose, what manager would you like to see at Celtic? Pep Guardiola. Pep, yeah. And since it's Valentine's Day, finish the phrase, the way to my heart is. Treat me kind. Treat me kind. Love me hard. Is that like a saying? Treat me kind. Something like that, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Sounded yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we'll kick into it. And obviously the double pivot show is a mixture of loads of topics. Loosely Celtic based can be football as well. So anyone in the comments who wants something to talk about, fire it in and we'll get stuck into it as well. But Franny, one article, interesting article I did see was about Ben Doak. Obviously he was at Celtic, I think it was maybe a year and a half ago, now he left to go to Liverpool for £600,000. And he seems to be ripping up trees so far down at that Liverpool, getting involved in the match day squad, scoring for fun for the youth part of the youth teams and also featuring for the national team in their camps and stuff like that. So he's, he's kind of, his trajectories went upwards. Now, according to transfer market, since he's left Celtic, his, uh, his value has skyrocketed by, I think it's like a thousand percent and he's worth over 10 million pounds. Now, then pretty much what the kind of emphasis on this is, should Celtic maybe look in-house now? Because Ben Doak, I know we can say maybe it's just one of one, to be honest, but we've let go of a lot of the youth talents like Liam Morrison, Barry Hepburn, the Bayern Munich and the likes, and Leo Hjeldenai, who plays regularly for, for Sunderland, I think it is, in, in the championship. And these young guys could have potentially made the grade at Celtic, but again, at the time, they couldn't break into the squad for one reason or another. But Ben Doak's that example. We tried to give him time, and give him a debut in the Derby game. He left not so long after that. What do you think in regards to youngsters versus project players? Where should we be looking from now on? I think you I mean, in an ideal world, you would... You would look in house, and if a lot of fans, maybe myself, would be a bit included in terms of how the board look at things, you would think they would maybe look more in house because it's doesn't mean they need to spend money on projects if they're bringing guys for the youth. But I think one of the bigger issues, Stephen, is the this Highland League, uh, the Lowland League. Sorry, mm. is never it's cracked up to be. It's second the reserve league. I think's been massive. The Lowland League, and then. I'm no one to slate Stephen McManus and Dan Nuddy, but Celtic's B team is sitting fucking seven for eight for something in that league. Is that what good enough? They, what, what are they actually doing? I appreciate maybe they're getting told to play a certain way, so it's once you get to the first team, it's just to how you're playing, which makes sense. But I still think Celtic's B team, if it's at any decent level, shouldn't they be struggling in that, that sort of level. Um, but guys like Ben Doak, I mean, if you believe the rumours, I think he was offered 12 grand or something mm. a week. So, at 16 year old, he really got to touch, turned in that. I mean, Celtic are really paying that for some first team players, so they're not going to compete with that for a, a, a 16 year old laddie. He might have, they might have offered to buy his mom and dad house, so he's one of them again, 16 year old, can set his mom and dad up for life and things like that. So, it's hard. I would like to see us try and keep a hold of more youngsters and bring them through, but the money that seems to be an offer with, with other teams like your Liverpool's who can gamble on a bend all can pay them like 12 grand a week and it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. It's, it's nice getting out of their teeth, so to speak. But I would, when it comes to the sorts of youth, yes, I would like to promote it 
you've obviously got a, your scouts are there for a reason, they will try and find your projects and stuff, but I think we need to look at getting back a reserve league, because this uh, league, as much as I was all for it at the time, because it was competitive football, it's been a massive failure, and the guys that have been in charge of that way team have been a massive failure too. Yeah, I think the Lowland League probably got most of its um, exposure when Cy Ferry and Slaney were in that open goal mm-hmm. Broomhill kind of project, and that kind of fell through really quickly. And said, Cosby comes in, if Doak is worth 10 million, surely he should be in the Scotland squad. Strains of the doctor with a great point. It's about balance. I'd have around 26 first team competitors supported by Champions League homegrown development players. And Franny is right in the way. If you look back in the 2000s before that, the Reserve League was competitive. First team players could play in that division. <coughs> When they were when they're obviously rehabilitation from injury, they were getting the, the youngsters were getting exposure to players like Bobo Baldi, Johan Mialbi, all that type of stuff. Where now it's all the rules you can't do that no more. And even for a B team player coming up in the Celtic, if he features more than five games, he can't feature for the for the the Lola League the Lola League side anymore. So again, it stifles them in that way. So it is a kind of a cast twenty two. But I think for for us fans as well, in my opinion. We look at the players we signed for one to two million pounds, the, the project players that we've talked about for so long, and you could go through a whole list of them, and we'll talk about them to them tonight. And then you look at Doak, you look at Hepburn, Hjelda, all these types of players. Why could we not stop signing them guys and give these guys a chance? Or is it the fact that if we did that, then again, you're questioning the ambition, you're questioning the spending by the board. So is it one lemons if a Liverpool comes calling, Ben Doak's just away anyway? Well, yeah, I think I think it probably is when you do have a team like Liverpool coming along. He's probably thinking that I might not get another opportunity. Uh, I mean, I think we all would like to see the homegrown players getting a chance. I mean, on Sunday, who came through? McGregor, Ralston, Welsh. Uh, I think they were three. Wasn't it they three? Mm-hmm. I don't think there was anyone else. But even the now, we're, expect, we're hoping it. Well, I'm personally hoping that Rocco Vata is going to sign a new contract. You know, he's came through the system as well. We do. I mean, who was the last one we really brought through? And we made was Kieran Tierney. Tierney. You know, and if you look across the road, Rangers seem to do. They seem to be having some decent players coming through their system. Um, I just hope. I don't know if if we took our eye off the ball. With the, the Lowland League you know the players there is is money not getting invested in youth I know well they're saying I, I mean I'm going to contradict myself actually because the Barfields isn't it they're going to they're hoping to redevelop um, that and that'll be whole yep. for the for the youths etc and for the women but it's not as if we'll not get the money we could we could put it in but listen we want money put in the first team more money put in the youth system is trying to get that balancing act um, and we are not at this precise moment right now we want the finished article yeah because and I think that's what we're, we're crying yeah. out for yeah. you know I mean first team ready players Franny and you mentioned it as well the the management team the, the co-management of Darren O'Day and Steve McManus again you could kind of be cynical and ask yourself what have they done to deserve that job could we not mm-hmm. Be outside the outside of the box thinkers by, you know, going to a foreign coach, someone who has a proven track record and developing young players. So do you think that might be an issue? And again, San Fran, I think this is a good point. Jed mentioned him, Rocco Father. This whole thing's hyped up the beyond imagination right now. Even Ross is catched on to the, on the podcast. He's like, what's this guy even done 
to deserve this amount of hype around him. So you want him to sign a new deal, Jed? I'm not quite too sure. I think he's a spoiled entitled wee prick, and he's just holding <laughs> the club to ransom. In, in my opinion, he might be a fantastic player, but all this to and fro between a player who hasn't proved himself and a club who do want to keep him, by all looks of it, is a bit much for an 18-year-old lad to be saying he wants out the club and wants to move in a different direction. No club's going to take a punt on him if he don't know, doesn't know what he has to offer. In my opinion, no Serie A looking at him, some clubs in there, Franny, but again, this whole situation with him, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird, and I'm wondering if... I mean, I, I don't know where I stand with my... I, I don't know if I'm falling in the trap of, is it because we're desperate for a youth player to come through? He's obviously lighting it up a bit in the, the B team and stuff. Uh, and I think, I believe he's doing really well at international level at the, the youth say that. So he'd be just looking at that because it's has been, tearing has been a wee while ago since we really brought somebody through. I appreciate McGregor and Forrest and things like that are, are there, but obviously we're just looking, we're just, I think maybe with that, are we just desperate for somebody to come through the route yeah. France to go? Look at this, it's working. There's a pathway and stuff. And maybe just some of that hype. I mean, he's a young lad, he'll he'll be all over the social medias and stuff, and he'll probably looking at that and going, Well, they believe I'm a good player, and he'll probably start believing it in his cell. And I believe young footballers these days just they are technically more cuddle to an extent and stuff, so they will be getting told that they're the, the bee's knees, if you like, and stuff. So you'll start believing all that. So you will maybe start believing your own hype. He's probably got decent sponsorship deals, which maybe doesn't really help keep you keeping them grounded and stuff and and things like that. So it's maybe he is believing his own hype, but again, he has scored a lot of goals, so there maybe is a talent there to, to nurture. He just maybe needs a wee bit grounded or whatever. But but going back to your sort of one about maybe going to a foreign coach at, at youth level. I'm not pigeonholing it to a foreign coach. What I mean is a no, proven track record I, and well, an improving talent. Track, I, I, I mean, I suppose in an ideal world, yes, but you tend to find at youth level, it usually goes to ex, ex-players. That's how they kind of get their foot in the door, if you like. You tend, you tend to see a lot of, a lot of the teams uh, given ex-players, but there's got to be... Got a bit accountability. Like I, I just go back to the loan. Like isn't it a great standard? Like I'm not going to sit and pretend I watch it, but there's no way part-time footballers that are training twice a week, depending on weather, depending on work, if they could even turn up for training. And Celtic B team who are essentially, essentially professionals, will train every day of the week, and then can he beat these teams? So he can't just be keeping guys in a job just cause who they are. I think he should yeah. be looking to try and improve that team. Celtic and Rangers should be winning that league, hands down. Oh, it's, it's embarrassing that they're not competing in it. As well, just along the same topic, um, well, it's a different team. Man United are looking to bring in the guy to look after the whole operational football division mm-hmm. of Man United. This guy at Newcastle now, he came from uh, Brighton, who set up St George's Park. Now, he went in all these clubs and brought in the youth coaches as well. And if you look at Brighton, I was listening to an interview with their, their chairman, or chief executive, a few few weeks ago. They are already looking at this moment. They already have it in their plans, the managers mm-hmm. that they're targeting, in case the Zerbi goes. He says, mm-hmm. it'd be naive for us not to think. This is the way they're thinking. They are looking months and months in advance 
they are constantly looking at players, constantly looking at managers. That's a fantastic model that they've got. Mm-hmm. Look at look at the players that they brought in for three, four million pounds. That's a, that's them. a great point. And I sold them on. So I think as a club, we need to look at our overall structure of of our football structure, not just the first team. Yeah, a first a first the first team is a bread and butter. But in order to be more successful, we have to look after every other department as well. We have to look at the fitness, the trainers, the coaching. And you do we what we do want in an ideal world, as Franny Man mentioned earlier, we want the B team to be playing the same system as what the first team play. Yep. Well, they're playing that now because they're shite. Mm. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I, I, look at, I look at Brighton and that. What a fantastic model they have got at the moment for players, for management, everything. I mean, they, they've been bringing a manager no one heard of. They took a mm. punt as well when Green Potter, he was doing mellow in Scandinavia. He then went to Swansea. They brought him to Brighton. and But they... He was already told this is the way they want to play, so he had to work to a structure that the club had already implemented, and it's it's proven to be successful. I think as well within them clubs, there's examples of what Celtic can follow. Future proof in a club is fundamental to success, especially long term. Franny as well. And I remember before, actually going to call you out in this one. I pulled up the. I was we were speaking on. I think it might have been a double pivot show, and I was talking about examples of what Celtic could follow, and I said about Brentford, the money ball, and Brighton for what they've done. And you came back to me and was like, yeah, but the money in the EPL, blah, 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 TV. These, these clubs started these projects well before they reached the promised land of the English Premier League and League One, uh, League Two. And I, I remember that, but... Mark but I, I remember Mark Warburton done an interview. Yes, Mark Warburton, Magic Hat guy, talks mm. about loafs and that. So I mean, but again, he done an interview of Open Goal and he, he was Isn't saying that... The, loafs, tr- Warburton's a, a type of breed, mate. That's what I mean, loafs, bread. Aye, well, you, you can't. He talks a bit loaf. It's like no Morbitton's bread. Oh, it's a loaf. But anyway, <laughs> and he he said that um when the chairman came into the club, he had this mad idea that he never heard before about money ball, speculate, to accumulate, recoup and transfer fees, and you build yourselves way up the leagues. And that's how I think we should do it as a club. And Jed's right. If you're if you're a Brighton, if you're actually any professional football outfit in the world with any ambition, you need to be future planning the way forward. You need to be looking at candidates further down the line. We seem to open that shelf, and it's Gordon Strachan, it's Neil Lennon, it's Brendan Rodgers. And yeah, we got lucky with Postacogli, but I think that was really more of a last-ditch thing because we lost out Nettie Howe. And I appreciate that might have went right down to the wire and we nearly got him, but X, Y, and Z stopped it. But you, you can't say that, on one hand, it's the money of the EPL, but then they started these projects long before. Why could we? Why could Celtic now follow a similar path and get better in the Champions League, for example, and get money year on, guaranteed money year in, year out, and kind of push that boat and see what we can actually achieve? Well, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, Stephen. Like I would say, we get like obviously when Postecoglou came in, there seemed to be chatty. Well, I say Eddie Howe, sorry, it will get a director of football. Then when Hingley came in, when Postecoglou came in, that just Seem to all get. Uh, see, they're missing the point. What I just said, you said he talks about wolves, and I said it's a really joke Disney. about his name because it's I Mark Warburton. Well, I've just totally misunderstood what you said. That's what I've. <laughs> I've right, okay, okay, okay. Um, and I, I when post the call came and it seemed the whole director of football hang was kiboshed, and now I'm not 
got to say, director of football is the way to go. But I think, I think a club of Celtic, if we want to progress, I think a director of football should come in because that. But so, like you maybe done have situations like when Postecoglou leaves, and then as much as I wanted Brendan Rodgers, and I'm no trying to advocate for getting Brendan Rodgers out the door. It's a different style of manager. It's a different style of manager. And then you're asking the players to do something different. Whereas if you've got a a director of football, his sole focus should be to go, well, like what they're doing at Brighton. Once deserved because we know to continue this progression, we've got a model on how we want to play football. We're buying players to play that way. So we'll find a manager that will play that way. If we'd done that, obviously we probably wouldn't have failed on getting Brendan Rodgers again. But you might have been playing to suit to suit some some players. But I think we should to try and progress. For me, we, we do need to look at a director of football, and I agree we should speculate to accumulate Stephen. But it seems we've got a bit of both that didn't want to do that. I'm no. No, I under I understand that. It's 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 more of a hypothetical sense. We should be following uh, a like you said a path that to, to get successful mm-hmm. in European football. We, uh, no, we should be we should be following a path and like. Want to spend money or what? Like everybody wants Celtic to do well, and it's just we've all got different ways and ideas of how we mm. think we should do it. And at the end of the day, we're all sitting on a podcast telling these guys how they should run a football club and that. But, but, but you're allowed the pig, you're not, you're allowed the pig, you're not. Not a bad thing to copy other clubs. No, Barcelona, Barcelona, when they started to get successful, they followed, they followed the IAC system. Aye, mm. so they did. So I know you, you look at. You look at what people are doing right oh, and say, right, okay, let's try and let's try and implement that. This is the type of comment that winds me up. Anthony Dunn, with the greatest of respect, success or biting this top ten most of the time, they have access to far greater resources with less pressure to succeed. That's a hundred percent. But my point is they started that model in the championship. They started it in League One. They were building blocks towards the EPL. We're in a building block stage where we're talking about European football. Where can we build the big successful? Now, I've kind of skipped a bit here, but we're on the topic anyway. Franny, people are, are talking about Copenhagen. And uh, to be fair, Anthony put it in the chat that they've actually qualified for the last 16. I think it was like twice they are free or, or something like that. that. Again, I think it's just kind of clinging on. Can we be like a Copenhagen next year? Can we show a bit of steel, show a bit of metal? But I know... I, I read in uh, just a wee bit. I'm not no expert in Norwegian football or Scandinavian football. Just how do we read it? Something, and it said they've been trying to build like this for again years and trying to make progress and, and inward steps into European football. The the field the the win the the title in 2019 it was a big massive issue. They changed their whole model, and now ultimately they're in the knockout stages of the Champions League. So there is success somewhere to be found within the middle there. Like, oh, there is, but and then I think. I think Copenhagen's quite a, a lazy argument now, and it's it's easy for folk to chuck out there. This is the first time they've uh, qualified for the last six, well, qualified for the knockouts in how long? About 10, 12 years? I think so, yeah. I think. So, I mean, if that's the model we want to follow, then we would have qualified about three times less, I think. But I think the issue is they only started this new model within the last three to four years. Yes, so maybe... Maybe have this got maybe bring Copenhagen up in ten years' time and see if they're continuing this. Yeah. And also as well, Stephen, Copenhagen got a bit of luck in the in the qualifying. And they were against a Man United at the time who were horrendous. Horrendous. They were conceding goals right, left and centre. So they had all the things were the boxes were all getting ticked for them. 
You put them in on a live grip, where they've got through a doubter. Mm. A doubter. And then it's to kind of talk, piggyback off Jed there to flip it. How much money did Man United spend in the summer compared Can to I? Copenhagen and Copenhagen qualified? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I know I, I argue for Celtic to spend more money, Stephen, but forgot to bring up Copenhagen, Kenny. Oh, balance that a wee bit. Of course. Of course, you know, but again, teams that spent tons of money and they finished above them. So, but again, what way you want to look at it? I think the Copenhagen yeah. one, their their record in Europe isn't focus based it off this season's campaign, saying, "Oh, why can Celtic not be like that?" But I think if you look on record, I think we've qualified more times for the the group stage proper than Copenhagen. Uh, they, they have got an ambitious board, but as I say, bring up Copenhagen in ten years' time and see. See if they're progressing. See if they're constantly in the Champions League proper and getting out the group stages. Where they go after that, I appreciate the size of the club and finances will determine. They'll know. They'll probably never really get to. They might get to the occasional quarter. Maybe you never know a semi final depending on the luck at, at the night. But if we're having if Copenhagen in the next sort of ten year constantly in the Champions League and getting out their group, then I think it's a different argument. But Based off one campaign, nah, not for me. Again, I'm totally with you on that one. I, I, I am. Mm-hmm. I just brought up the argument because I've seen the article about it and I thought it would be quite interesting to speak about. I think that mm-hmm. the Copenhagen thing is dead as well. We don't know what their recruitment's like. And if rumours are led to believe today, I don't know if anyone's seen this, Mark Lowell, our head of recruitment, is apparently working his notice period. Multiple people on Twitter have said this and, and sources. Like, we have no sources. That wall might as well tell me <laughs> that Mark Lowell's going to leave. We're just going by taxi what people driver. are saying. The taxi man. We're just going by what people are saying. And again, it's kind of built up ahead of steam. Yeah, nothing's going to the club as of yet. But do you think that would be a positive step in the right direction? And maybe Rogers has Halloween nudge in there and be like, he's not good enough. I've got a different plan going forward. Well, I think it, it could, it's quite fitting what we've been speaking about. Is this the club just looks at the whole structure of getting a director mm. of football and all, all that in as well? Because, like, Let's be honest, the Lowell's name now is mud within the eyes of the Celtic fans. Even though all the good that Peter Lowell has done over the years for a, a PLC board, of course, as they know, the dividends, etc. But the fans don't look at that. We're looking for success. We're looking for, for progression in Europe. And we all believe the Lowell's are, are holding us back. And especially with is it, is it any coincidence that Peter Lowell's come back on as chairman and we've went backwards? Mm-hmm. So, for everybody, let's get sweep the board with them, sweep the flow with the board, get fresh blood in, let's be a more of a, bring a business acumen into the board. Look at look at other clubs. Where are they? What What is one club good at? What's another club good at? And try and take their ideas and mix it mm-hmm. into their own. Because mm-hmm. we need to, to get better, we have to get the background stuff sorted out first. So we do. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Because when that seeps in, it's there and it's going to stay there and it's a sort out. Maestro comes in, Franny. I'll throw the Mark Lowell one at you and also mix it in with this one if you can. You mentioned 10 years' time in terms of mentioning or, or Copenhagen. Where do you think Celtic, in your eyes, will be in 10 years' time? And also, do you think Mark Lowell, apparently working his notice period, is a, is a good move? Well, you would, to start with the Mark Lowell one, you would hope it's a good move. 
but it all depends on who it's it's one guy. Maybe that's the start a three or four guys going that, that we want out. Um just I want it maybe back like off the back of just wanting different voices in there. Like yeah. I'm not saying I want John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan out, but maybe we just need other guys in the training field with different voices. Maybe help Brendan Rogers get his ideas across a wee bit better as well, getting his own guys in. Um and then even just looking at like can if Mark Law was leaving, it's Peter Law was still there. Who's making the decision to bring the new guy in? You would hope Rogers has got a bit of say in that. Hopefully, it's nearly conquering because oh, really a great track record either. And that was <laughs> that was Rogers' guy. So you would hope when it comes because it will be recruitment that he has a say in it. But as in Gordon Strachan's lad, they know part of the recruitment. I hope there's not another yeah. Strachan kicking about that will <laughs> yes. end up being part of there as well. So you just you don't know. I think that's where it's hard to answer where I see Celtic in 10 years. If, if this Mark Law leaving is a part of a sort of a major reshuffle where very senior figures leave, whether that be like the recruitment board guys that have been there for 20 years, 30 years and stuff, I think you should try and move them out just to get fresher ideas in and stuff. I think that's the only way you can be progressive if you if guys at board level are changing on, I say a regular basis, I've not want guys in two-year periods, it's not like managers and players, but I don't think guys at boardroom level should be kicking about for 20, 30 years plus. It's just, I don't see how you do progress with that, but, so the answer would, I would hope, I would hope in 10 years' time we are constantly in the Champions League and competing in that Champions League and getting out the group on a semi-regular basis again that all depend on other leagues and how their finances go but hopefully in 10 years time Copenhagen will be winning the Champions League well maybe <laughs> and then we'll have this argument about Copenhagen to Celtic but it's hard to it's hard to say where Celtic will be in 10 years because you just don't know if it's the current current situation I don't see us being any more than what we are now if it's the status quo by, by the way see talk about like a new new board, new owners coming in. You've got to mind, their, their main shareholder is one of the richest guys out there. Is a, I think he's the fourth richest guy in Ireland. He's a billionaire. I'm the richest. Mm. Keep it quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's not as if he can put his own personal... I don't think he ever has done anyway because of financial fair play as well. We, mm. need, we need to be generating money. And now people have talked... I've, I've seen people commenting on previous podcasts... Should we sell the name and should we sell the name and rights to the stadium? That could bring in extra money as well. We need to look outside the box here, how to bring in more mm. money. So we need to, we need to. That's what I'm saying. We need f- fresh blood, and you don't always go. You, look, my, my job. I mean, I've been in sales for t- almost thirty years, but the day I stop learning is the day I die. Yeah, you're learning every day. You're learning off younger people than me. It's got ideas. God, I never thought of that. You have to, you have to adapt. And if you're not going to adapt, we're going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. So the board, we need to get, we need to get the board sorted out to move this club to the next level. And if we don't, in ten years' time, we'll be having the same conversations. 
yeah. Like Maestro comes in. Do we need a director of football for continuation of the style of football? That when Anne's left, we should have got somebody fit of that style and attitude. I think Franny alluded to that. I think that's imperative for me. A director of football does need to be there. I mean, every major club in the world operates with the director of football, takes the pressure off the manager, trying to manage all aspects of the club. And then again, if they leave, the eventually they'll have someone to come in their place. And Jenna, I, I agree in that. I, I agree with what you're saying because like I do get the analogy about sales. That's the, the environment that I work in. And you have to adapt and learn every situation and you have to be able to cross all these what do you, do you know, negotiations of things. And I just think for me that um, this, the Celtic board is because steel, to be fair, and you're, Mark Lawwell, if he's working his, his notice period, I think that's that's great, but it has to signal a bigger change at the club. And what I what I read today is apparently Peter has said, apparently nudged him and been like, put the pressure on him, said him to leave. I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I hope it's more to do with Rodgers and he has a plan going forward because at this moment in time, and look, we're not being negative. The double feather shows us a mixture of everything. We'll come on to positive points as well. Don't worry about that. But it's just, as you said, having the same conversations. We've done this podcast four years now. And I can, I mean, you could probably replay most podcasts. And we've talked about the board being negative in some aspects of it. We're not spending enough money. The squad's light. We're lacking quality. Something does need to change in that aspect of things going forward. Yep. But also, as well, Steve, Tom, I'll ask you a question. Now, uh, Klopp is leaving Liverpool. Uh huh. Do you think Liverpool's just going to go and get a manager? Are they going to go and get a manager who plays the same style of football that the fans have got used to since Klopp's been there? I think so, I. I think exactly. the old on guy, Xavi Alonso, mm-hmm. he's, he suits that, that style. Exactly. So this is what they'll be looking This is what we have to identify for what we want to do. And we have to bring the people. We've got to get a jigsaw piece to fit. We've got to get that. Yeah. We can't go from one style of manager to the next. You know, we can't do it. Because we can see it now. We're all moaning about Kyogo not getting the service because Brendan Rodgers plays a different style of play to Ange. Mm. And we're all getting frustrated about it. So we're going to have to get to a system and that's what we're going to have to work to. There's no point if Brendan Rodgers goes at the end of the season and we bring in, uh, what's his name, uh, David Moyes. David Moyes. Mm. What's that going to be? Exactly. There is a big continuation. We have to... We really have to look at things, and and this has to come from the board. You, you have to have leaders in there that's going to take us to the next level. Man United, with this new guy coming in, has went after the chief executive at Man City. The mm-hmm. He's now after this guy. Mm-hmm. Now went after this guy in Newcastle, who's proven wherever he's been. So he has yeah. looked. He has been speaking to people within the industry. Who's the best of this? Who's the best of that? Now, I know we cannot afford to go and get these guys. I know that. But there are other guys out there who are potentially could be even better. They just haven't mm-hmm. been given a chance. They have been proving it at other teams, smaller teams, and they've been punching well above their weight. This is what they're looking at. And if you look when Ange came in, when you look at his CV, Ange's CV was fantastic. And all people, because we didn't know who he was, mm. but... He had a better CV than what Howie had. Mm. And we got of course, the benefit yeah. of that. The fans got the benefit of that. The style of football. And they might say, we went and we were 90 minutes, we forgot about our troubles back home, our troubles at work, because we were getting entertained. This is where we need to be. We need to be 
football's about entertainment. We have to get that sorted out. Yeah. Here, here's me now thinking about my troubles at work on the WhatsApp. Like, <laughs> strange of the doctor. This is a great point. Just kind of end on, the, on this one. Queen of the South just lost their um, director of football. The the Ajax that bothers me that a wee club is pe- playing the game and we're still playing nineties rules in the boardroom. I think it's Queen's Park, but I do get the, the sentiment there. Strange, strange love. They hired people from like Ajax and Anderlecht to come into their club, and I think they're amb- ambitious over there. I think it's Willie Willie Hockey or something is the majority shareholder. And he's quite rich. Apparently, he's has he has links to Celtic. But again, we he all know something needs to change. I sells for change, yeah. And he's a big part of Queens Park and, and what they're doing. They're looking forward. We're standing still. Obviously, no comparison here, but it's kind of the appointments we're talking about in the board. <laughs> you mentioned well, Jed mentioned adapted adapting Franny, Mikey Johnson. Chocolate ankles was back in action with West Brom. He scored in the, the thirty seconds. I think it was their fastest goal of the season against Cardiff, which Turnbull was playing in as well for Cardiff. I thought after the match, did you see his quotes, his, uh, him speaking? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what, what did you make of that, Tim? He had to go to the club. He scored one week and then he was dropped the next week. Nah, Mikey, you were just shite, mate. I think you just, it's time uh, to go. Uh, it, was, it was ballsy. Like it was, I don't know if he thought because he was doing in England than in West Brom, which isn't the nicest area of the world that Mida doesn't make its way up this way. But to say like that comment where... I scored in one game uh, and then was dropped the next. It was like, why? That one game, that was like the first time he'd scored in about four, four years at Celtic. Appreciate, yeah. well, well, we'll cut it into three because he was obviously away in loan for a season. But uh, it's, I mean, the guy, every season it was, is this going to be his year? Is this going to be his year? It's, the, I, for, it just feels like forever you have been saying he's the next best thing and it is. I mean, in fairness, he's, he has only about 23, but he's been at Celtic for eight seasons and not yep. even managed to get 100 first-team games yet. That just tells you everything you know about the guy. He's just... And it's no... It's no slanting him at the end of the day. He's just no... He's clearly a good football player. He's just not the level to be at Celtic. Injuries obviously have played a part in that. And maybe just... like Maybe the fact that he is a Celtic fan as well and known that he has, there's that many Celtic fans against him. Maybe just mentally, he couldn't cope with that. Desperate to prove them wrong, but just mentally couldn't cope with it. And then his body's kind of breaking down. I have touched before on that Lenny one. I mean, we all laughed at the time and yeah. stuff with Lenny telling him to fuck yeah. off. That's probably not helped the guy, in fairness. But <laughs> I think see that every a, day. There's some time on Twitter I see sim- that every day. Uh, and I had a wee bit of sympathy for, for him. Uh, maybe not at the time, but and sort of for him reflection because obviously he was gone through horrible injuries and he had a chance. Just I mean, we're all Celtic supporters. If we, we know we'd probably an injury and if the manager asked you to go and we've got to say aye, and I think it ended up he was on for two minutes and we were doing it to 10 men because it was our last sub. So I understand Lennon's frustration. But and so I had a wee bit of sympathy for him as much as I wanted him at the club. But after they comments, I I'm just feel like Neil Lennon has been like, oh, fuck off. Yeah, kind of trying to make a case for himself, Jaden. He was nowhere near. He shouldn't have been anywhere near the first team. And to be fair, from the outside looking in at West Brom and at the club in Portugal, Jed, he seems to perform better when that pressure, that spotlight isn't on him. He's not looking like he's not breaking down injuries. He's come on a few times for West Brom and he started, I think that was the first game he started and he scored. And so the way I look at this is it's a win-win. If he performs well, I just pray the Celtic are only asking for about two quid. 
and he goes to West Brom because I don't want him back involved with pre-season again and having this. Again, you said the same conversations next year because he scored a goal in pre-season. Can Maggie Johnson make the style? He just can't. He need, just needs to be sold permanently in the summer. Yeah. He need, he need, I mean, let's hope he does and good luck. I hope he has a great career elsewhere. But I don't think he's, he's Celtic class. But what is Celtic no. class? I just... I don't think he's good enough. We have better wingers there just now. Aye. Just, just, just barely. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Obviously, it's the 14th. We'll take a wee break from the, the hard chat for a wee second. Just a wee bit of fun here. I've got a couple of players who are famous for wearing the, the number 14 jersey. And I just want you to speak about them briefly. Or as how much as you want, really. Have a wee debate about them. I'll come to yourself, Franny, first. And this guy here, a famous number 14. Terry Henry, probably the best, I mean, one of the best anyway, the generation in the Premier League, people argue the best. He was an absolute standout for Arsenal, Champions League with Barcelona as well. Them famous comments about Henrik Larsson. There he is, giving high five to Arsene Wenger. What did you think about him and his time in English football? And also, even for me growing up, he was probably one of the guys I love watching on TV, being like, wow, he was quick, strong, pacey, good score. And as it's Valentine's Day, the 14th, for us follow throw him up. Oh mate, like arguably, arguably, oh my God, sorry, Ross County just missed a great chance, man. <laughs> I know, strange love. I know, I know, but he's a number fourteen. All right, that does um, have to find somebody. He's he's up there with one of potentially my favourite player ever in in football, which I hope nobody goes back to the world of living because I never put him in it. But there was reasons behind that. <laughs> you can't just, say that. I, no had, I had to hear. I had to hear our nine up front. Had to have our nine up front. Um, but no, Henri for me, it was one of the main reasons I loved watching Arsenal, why I like Arsenal as uh, an English team and stuff. I just, the guy is absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Just uh, that goal against um, Man United, so many goals. I think it was one against Liverpool where, uh, no, it was Liverpool or Leeds where it's like about three or four boys just trying to wipe him out and stuff. And he's just, Gone all the way through him. There's one where against Spurs, he picks it up in the middle of the park and beats about three or four guys and just curls one on his left foot for the edge of the box. It just scores so many good goals. There was one, I think, I think the team was Watford as well. He scored a free kick. The referee said, No, it was too close. You need to go back five yards. So he went back five yards and just pinged it in the top corner again. Turns to the referee and went, Is that okay? And you're like, <laughs> As the guy just had so much charisma. The, the famous adverts were then up the Bava Boom and stuff. He just oozes coolness and another goal. I mean, another goal I can remember him scoring fun enough was against Celtic for Barcelona, where Caldwell played a defence button pass, out for defence straight to Henri. And he picked it up just in the, the left and sort of the, the right hand side of our box just curled one in for, for the edge of the box right at the top corner. I think they beat us 3 1 that night, and you're just like, guy was. Guy was brilliant, man. I, I love him, mate. Love him. Did you ever see the, the, the clips of him and is it Kate Abdo, CBS Sports? Oh, uh, do you see them? They, 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 they've yeah. got some chemistry between each other, like, but um, well, I think she's married. Struggle they're hitting we struggle cuddles. I think they've got some biology cuddles. as well. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> 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 but nah, he's fantastic. And Jed, yourself being on Henri, I mean, people are in the comments here saying about his handball against Ireland and, and Dave, and look. I didn't take any of the account. I just seen the number, chucked them up on the screen. It's just talking about a world-class footballer. We can all admit that. And 
an EPL anyway for myself watching matches today and, and matches and stuff. He was just fantastic. And again, you always respect the comments about Henrik. Yeah, oh, I mean, he was a he was a great player. In fact, if I remember right, when he came to Arsenal, he wasn't signed as a striker. He was signed as a winger. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, you know, they moved him up front. He was a phenomenal player for Arsenal. Um, so it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've started something in the comments now. Well, he's and wanted Jenna, to say that on Valentine's Day. Oh, of course he is. Send her a postcard or something. Or a letter. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you have to do. I'll throw one to you. Um, Jed, we spoke briefly in the studio before we come on. Johan Cruyff, you mentioned the Ajax model stuff. He was the guy I thought, well, I think of reading up and stuff. He, he revolutionized football in terms of the, the formation, tactics, the, the Cruyff turn, all that type of stuff. Absolutely legends of the game. I was just about to say that. I think no matter what age any, any, of, any of us are, we've all seen the clips of the Cruyff turn. I mean, the defender just didn't, didn't know where it was. He was phenomenal, and then he then implemented that style at Barcelona, and they have stuck to that model ever since. So they have yeah. a great player, and unfortunately, no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, indeed. And then Franny, we talked about him briefly for the management job at Liverpool. Xavi Alonso, what a midfield player, number fourteen. I think he was in with Gerard, and I think Mascherano at some points as well. Um, and his Bayer Leverkusen team are on a different planet this year in, in terms of what they're doing on the Bundesliga. His coaching is, is top-notch and Frimpong has been the benef- main beneficiary of that. He looks fantastic. I mean, you could throw a couple of questions here. Obviously, when you go in the modern times and you speak about players, was he at times more important to Liverpool than maybe Stevie G was and, and players of that kind of calibre? Probably, probably did they. I mean, Liverpool fans might all probably look at it different, but I think maybe outside Liverpool, maybe Never got the recognition he deserved until he actually left. I mean, he ended up going to Real Madrid and was brilliant. They're obviously playing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously ended up going to, would you call it? Oh, no. Nearly scored again, Lost County. Is that what you're watching? <laughs> I don't what, What's the score? 2 1 to Rangers. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, what was I going to say? I Javi Alonso like obviously went to Real Madrid and was brilliant there. Won it all with with Spain as well. I think I think Javi Alonso is a top top player. Did he score one for the half final as well in the FA Cup or something? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Javi Alonso was a proper proper player. Like just so good, so good on the ball, passing that just controlled games. I wouldn't say he was more important to Liverpool than than Steven Gerrard. At points, maybe at points. Nah. Nah, but I'm not going to... Jabba Alonso was a top, top player, mate. He's one of the very few players that have carried that into management, hasn't he? You, you get the Frank Lampard's of the world and all, you kind of feel. But he's been top quality at that Bar Leverkusen. And Jed, finally, one of her own. Number 14, Paul Lambert, European Cup winner. Wore the same jersey there. Came to us and you told me this is when he scored against that Sevco in the 6-2 game. Yes, that was the third goal after 15 mm-hmm. minutes. That, that picture. Uh, Lambert was phenomenal. There's not many Scotsmen can say they're uh, European Cup winners. He can. So, yeah, see, he was a great player for us. Fantastic player. Um, and we got him for peanuts too. Absolute mm-hmm. peanuts. I think sometimes he goes under the radar because you never really hear people speak about him. It's always like Petrov, Lenny, yeah. all them types of players. Lambert kind of falls under that a wee bit. 
Lam Lambert was a phenomenal player. You don't play for Borussia Dortmund if you want a good player. And you've got to mind, they signed him from Motherwell. I know. They seen something in him that other people couldn't see. Yeah, maybe not Mark Lowell can do a job at Motherwell there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Paul Lambert, Champions League winner, and quality yeah, of ourselves as well. Great. And remember his, his goal. The oh the New Year game as well the New Year game in it when it was a temporary stand I, think I mm-hmm. spoke about this on a podcast before I was actually in Tenerife then I remember watching the game and yeah, it was cool. unbelievable and if Martin Tyler is doing the commentary with Andy Gray the co commentator and you can actually hear Gray just sinking in his chair and Martin <laughs> Tyler just going mental about the goal that was. That was probably one of the best goals a Celtic players ever scored. I think because of the what it meant in that season as well, and mm-hmm. forever he will always have a place in the Celtic hearts for that. Just, just going off that one quickly there, right? So our midfield minute first choice, some would say, is Matt O'Reilly, Cal McGregor, Rio Atate. Would you throw men above any of them? Yeah. Was that, was that, yeah. Yes. Oh, aye. In the and a holding role. And a holding without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. But who are you taking out? Just quickly, who would you take out? Who did you, who did you say? McGregor? McGregor, Hatate, O'Reilly. You had to take one out for Lambert. Who would it be? It would need to be Bernardo. No, no. No, no, no. I would have, I'm saying Calmac, Calmac, Rio and O'Reilly. So the first choice three that, that was before. You had to pick one player to come out for Lambert. Who would you put take out for Lam, Lambert? Hatati for me. O'Reilly. Oh. oh, that's a big call. That's a big the call. The reason being, because when Hatati, if you take the two of them on their game, O'Reilly and Hatati, Hatati's mm. a better, better player. That's just my I mean, people, I, I, no, I think I'd probably be on the season. I think if it, when he's on his game, he's for no, you can't drop Callum McGregor. No, no, nope. uh, so it would need to be it would need to be O'Reilly for me because it would push Callum McGregor further up the as well. It'll push a tattoo and McGregor, a uh, Lambert will just sit in the holding row. <coughs> and by the way, he just play a pass as well. Oh. Wizard of passing the ball, Franny Snacker, who's on about 15 times. I feel like I'm on the on the podcast with Anthony Dunn. But <laughs> Franny, <laughs> see, see what you said you'd take out of Tate. Has Jed changed her mind on that one? I've, well, I've probably taken Hatate out more. I mean, it's a wee bit unfair in Hatate, but it's on uh, O'Reilly's form this season, probably more the reason why I'm keeping O'Reilly in the team. That's yeah. absolutely a ludicrous plunge. Sorry, mate. <laughs> See, oh, difference of opinions. Plunge is at the wind up, I think. He's on the wing, that's what he's on. Monty's Paul McStay, the top man I've ever seen in the Celtic midfield. Oh, it's just a Paul bit too young Paul for me, mate. Paul McStay. I mean, obviously, Monty, I can remember. Monday, in the centenary year, we were 2 nothing down against Harps, and Paul McStay scored two goals to get a draw late on. Paul McStay single-handedly pulled us through that game. McStay was I would love to. Phenomenal. I would love to have seen him more. Like you said, Franny, mm-hmm. too young for me, but the, the stories you hear of him, he's a top-quality player. I, I, like Monty said, probably the best I've had in midfield. But, Jed, another player from the current squad in the, in the, in the January transfer window, Gustav Largebjelke, was in Italy, 
ready to complete a, a loan move. Was it the lease? I think it was in, in Syria. Yeah, um, I'm like, again, main pronunciations, forgive me. <laughs> um, he was in the Italian media saying he wanted to go, blah, blah, blah. Two hours later, he's back on, on a plane to Celtic. Roger said he wanted him to stay and, and he hasn't been seen since. I think that's, again, it's a strange one. I mean, you you look at the centre-back situation with lost figures, that, that's fair enough, but he's playing about with Welsh and uh, Scales and the Rocky. And even with these injuries, Larga Belka isn't getting in a match day squad, which, I mean, if that's the case, why did not let him go and get that kind of exposure and, and top play football? That, that baffles me as well. Um, I really, I don't know what what the hell's happened, happened there. I th- he's obviously things he's happening in the training ground that you or I can't see or not privy to, because I, I do think he wasn't, I do, I do think he, he done okay for us, but we, he never got a proper run out. He never got loads of games. Mm. Nearly did. He never had the chance to mature into that position. And um, he's just been flung back out. You know, not even in not even in the bench, not even on the bench since he's came back. Since they never let the sale go through. So what's the point of keeping him? Let him go. Save some money in his wages. That's what I don't understand. I think the 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 was it was his, what was the name again? Lecce. The club? Lecce. Lecce. I think the Lecce chairman actually came out and said the wages larger belt was on. I think it was like 15 grand a week or something. Quite a hefty wage for a guy who hasn't played much, uh, Franny. And, and like Jed said, it is just, it's, a, it's a strange one. He comes on, he scores a Champions League, it's all like, he, can he make an impact? Can he stake a claim the first time? And he just drops like a stone. He gets that the chance to move away. Rogers wants him back and he's playing hit. Well, Rogers is playing hide and seek with him. He's not even on the bus in the match day squads. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I've and then, who's the snitch? Lager has been treated treated badly by. I totally agree, badly by Celtic. I, I I suppose on one hand you can you can say that, but then if you want you could flip it and go well, it's a professional footballer. It's the risk you take it being a professional footballer. But I do I do understand what folk are saying with that because, like you say, he's, I think if you probably look at his games, he's probably his stats stack up against anybody's right now because I think in the league he played five or six games. And never we had a clean sheet never in every lost. one of them. Yeah. yeah. Conceded. So in that sense, obviously he had that game away at Firenod where put it down to any experience. Um then he obviously had was it against Firenod where he actually scored, scored the one in goal and stuff. And then yep. I don't think he's actually been seen since that game, to be fair. Maybe maybe no. mm-hmm. like benches or something, but I don't think he's been seen since then. It's I don't think Rogers has ever really fancied him. Now he did come on the back of being I think it was either player of the year, defender of the year in the league. So he's on the back of having a good season. He's already had a couple caps for Sweden. Scored for Sweden. Scored for Sweden. So there must there must be a player of some level there. But it, I, I can only assume we have kept him, like stopped that move to let you go through because CCV is out for a period of time. But Friday, why not have just, him on the bench then? I, I know. Yeah. I, 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 I no, totally I get that. But I thought he wasn't allowed to go it, because CCB got injured. But it, 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 it's because even look at Narofke or Narofke, it's just, this is like, like, I'm not saying Disney fans in, but there's Stephen Wills just coming straight back in as well. Mm-hmm. It's, and Narofke uh, drop at the bench. So it's and not that again I said it on Monday it's not that I dislike Stephen Wilson and then like that I don't really think he's ever let us down 
but to spend four and a half reported on their off game, about three and a half on Lagerbelk and ones, well, neither are getting a proper run in the team. Lagerbelk is just miles out. Um, it's, it's a way, it's weird how they've treated But Rogers has done that a wee bit well. Like, you look at home, home will come in for a couple of games, drop to the bench, then he's out the picture. Uh, but home didn't Bernardo, have the chance to go for it. I think that's the most confusing, no, no. Ah, I know. confusing aspect then, of it. But Bernardo was in, in for Champions League games out for the league, and then suddenly gets a wee run in the team, and then he's out again. It's I but I, the Lager Belka one is strange. As I'm on the okay. stock two one. What minute we on? Seventy nine. We've got Chris yeah. Kamara in the studio. <laughs> Strange of the doctor. <laughs> I don't understand the lager thing. If it was me, I'd take my pay and shut everyone up by making myself a star performer in the side and then pick my next club. Um, but I don't know what that is. That, like, idiot. I mean, obviously, you should be professional, but the way he's treated, he could just come in and go, Well, bugger, he's exactly. Out, I'm just going to get myself through this game. And maybe do, no do you think... for a wall for you put yourself in that challenge or whatever, you might just go, I'll just do enough to get through the game. Yeah, that's the way it looks. And do you think he actually? Do you think Rogers fancies Naraki? Because like like Franny said, you're you're trapping him. Welsh looked like he was he was injured. Granted, he's come back, and you don't know if he's full fitness, but he's straight back into the team over Naraki when he came on actually performed quite well. And then he went. No, Naraki to me hasn't put a foot wrong. I know the people blame him on the Aberdeen goal, but if Rogers was being that ruthless, then there's multiple players he could have dropped in that game. But he does chose Naraki. I don't think he fancies either of the two of them. And again, it goes back to Mark Lawwell and, and, and the recruitment, <laughs> recruitment drive, doesn't it? Well, it does, but did Lawwell not say he agreed to the signings? Eh, sorry, Rogers. Ro- Rogers, yeah. yeah. So, is there, some, is there something that happened on the training ground? Is there some personal happened? Has is he, is he had words with Rogers? Where Rogers just wants Lagerbelk out the door? I don't know. I really don't know. But like Franny said, he's, when he's played... They've never been beat in the league. Mm-hmm. In the league. Um, and by the way, and I did put on Monday night, I commented on Monday night, I've been one of Stephen Welsh's biggest critics. But hats off to him. The last few games he's played, he's been very good. So credit where it's due. You know, yeah. he said played well. So well done. I hope that continues. He's, he's doing well. I mean, he's doing the job he's asked to do. And the, the rumours are Liam Scales is getting a new contract, which he definitely deserves. He's been one of the standout performers this year. And look, we'll do a bit of um, on this day here. And I mean, to be fair, everyone knows what happened on this day. But I'll start with one that's kind of inconspicuous and people probably won't know. But again, Gal from the Jungle Gyms when he joined us from this feature and I quite enjoyed it. I think it's just interesting. So in 1891, on the 14th of February, Celtic beat Ferd Lanark 4-0 and Celtic win the Glasgow Club, Club Cup the club's first major trophy. There you go. Our first major trophy in 1891. And Jed, everyone remembers this day, the administration day, the jelly the jelly and ice cream moment. Mm-hmm. I remember I was in the car and I got the text um, from Ran and he, he, he sent it and I thought he was joking. And when it came through, it all kicked off and it was probably up there with dust unbelievable moments in a life because you don't expect that thing to happen all the financial things were working on at that time but can you remember were, were you were at that moment that when the news yeah. filter threw it down a club was dying <laughs> yeah I was believe it or not I was on my way to Barry Island 
in Wales. My, one of my sisters used to live. Gavin and Stacey? Yeah, one of my sisters used to live in Wales. And we were down um, visiting. And my wife always wanted to go to Barry Island because of Gavin and Stacey. I remember driving to it and coming on the radio. And I was like, oh my God. Couldn't, couldn't believe it. Of course, I laughed and smiled and almost crashed the car, but... What? What's going on? Did we play a game that night? Did we play a game that night? Inverness? Inverness. I think that was Aye. Yeah, because remember the fans going mad for And what about yourself? Where were you and all that damn kicked off, all the news filtered through? Uh, I was at work, Stephen. I was at work, but it kicked off. But it was obviously there was the kind of rumours leading up to it and stuff. And then uh, it was just uh, just hilarious. And just the weeks and weeks after it, I can remember the the derby game as well. After after it, there was a coffin. It was when when I had my season ticket. There was actually a, a cardboard cutting cough, uh, coffin that just kind of passed. So I sat just pretty much right at the Roy Stewart's. Uh, obviously, the old set. Uh, Sort of the allocation, like it was well, my sister, me, Ross, then a couple other folk. Then it was the Roy Stewart's, and I so we were that close, and it just kept on getting passed back and forward, back and forward, and it was just singing instead of obviously to the tune of the bounce. It was liquidation, they were singing. Liquidation, like honestly, it was it was great. Then obviously I was at the Kilmarnock game where we we officially won the league and stuff like that. So bye. What a time to be alive it was. The big, the big house must stay open. Aye, does put that in. Strains of the doctor. Uh, Aye, strains of the doctor. So good. Liquidation day was up there with one of the best days of my Celtic support in life. I think that's all of us. And Jed, did you have something to piggyback off the, yeah. on this day? Yeah. Yeah, just something different. I looked at what happened. Who did we play in this day? So I went back to 2015. We played right. St. John. We beat them 2-1. Now, our team that day was Gordon, Adam Matthews, Van Dyke, Denier, right. Izagiri. Midfield was... Well, I've, I've went 4-4, okay? Stuart Armstrong, Beaton, Brown, Gary Mackay, Stevens, mm-hmm. Johansson, Stefan Johansson, and Griffiths. Now, what I want to ask you, and the viewers as well, to out the team it started on Sunday against St Mirren out the two elevens, who would who would be picked? Now I think the back four here picks itself because mm-hmm. of the injuries that we have. So what I'd like to do is what our strongest back four would be now. At the moment, I think that would be Johnston, CCV, Scales, and Taylor. So I'm going to stick with that. So I'm going to ask you and ask everybody else, who would you rather have in goal, Gordon or Hart? Craig Gordon, easy. Ah, fuck. Um, for, I'll go. I have to go, Craig Gordon. I, I've actually, I don't know. Over the last couple of weeks, Joe Hart's probably been one of the best performers in a Celtic shirt, yeah, so it's I, hard I, to. Craig Gordon is Craig Gordon is. I mm-hmm. was really good. I thought. Like Craig Gordon, fantastic. While it was Addis and Monty's and already saying Gordon. Yeah. So I, I would go Gordon Zed. Yeah. So right up here, I know this. Now right back. So like I say, we'll go with what our strongest would be. So we're mm. going to go with Alistair Johnson or Adam Matthews. Mm. Oh, it's actually tough. I like the way Matthews like. Uh-huh. I'm going to go uh, Alistair you... Johnson. 
and it might be a wee bit of recent device in that. But I'm gonna. I'll go at uh, AJ. AJ for for the exact same reason. It's is there it's, any more it's, coming? It's what other people? Yep, uh, Monday's in. Yeah. Uh, Johnson. Uh, Ask the Pono boy. Great for Gordon. Johnson. Myself. Now, the other position would be CC a CCV or Virgil Van Dyke. Aye, no, no. Am I right in saying that the the denier play on the left or the right? I was trying to think. Left. I think I thought he played in the right, mate. I thought Van Dyke was on the left. I can just remember that goal against St Johnson where uh, Van Dyke just strolled through the left. But I'm, I don't care. I'm putting Van Dyke and CCV in. Denier was really, really good. And right. That's really how I was at because I think that would, it would it would thing with people. So Aye, I agree with you, Franny. That's what I would I would have, I would have been personally CCV and Van Dyke. Aye, that's what I'd go for. Surely. Yeah. Yeah. Left back. That's the opponent boy, Virgil van Dyke as well. Right. Mm-hmm. He's a Geary or Greg Taylor. <sighs> oh, I'm really like he's a Geary man. Uh, that's not, yeah, I, like, yeah. I, I think Taylor's a good player, but he's a Geary man. He was good. It's a Geary. Before he got his injury to his ankle, he was uh, incredible. Was he, yeah. he was a cha- changed man when he came back from an injury, but he was incredible the first, the kind of first stint. So Emilio was a yeah. Geary for me. Monty comes in as well as a Geary. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I put Stuart Armstrong down the right mm-hmm. and against Maeda. Who are we having? <laughs> Stuart Armstrong. <laughs> Stuart Armstrong. I love Stuart Armstrong. Oh, I love him. I, I know I've got to Stuart Armstrong because I just like football ability. I'm going to have to look at the football ability. Uh, Annie, Annie, yeah. here. He had an engine for Annie. He had an he engine. He could no, track did, back. Yeah. Definitely did have an engine. Right. So we're going with that Armstrong. Armstrong. Right. Plunge McNugget. Armstrong. Beaton. Or O'Reilly. 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 Easy. Easy. B Tom was a good utility player. I'll give good him that. But right. Good he goalkeeper. Said, this is going to be a tough one. Brown or McGregor. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I have to go. McGregor. Yeah. I've, yeah. I want to go McGregor, but I think for balance of the team, I think I need Scott Brown in there. The guy, Greg Taylor, is, I've said it countless times, and I feel like I've said it countless times recently, that Greg, uh, Carl McGregor is uh, a like, superstar, can go and play at any level. But I just think they're balancing this team. I've went 4-4-1-1, so I've not went through the middle. That's how I, I thought. So, and I, I think for that, I need to put Scott Brown in. I was trying to put, put a curveball in, that's why I've done it. Uh, I'll go Carl Mac. I, I mean, I need to go Scott in, Brown. in the right, comments... It's coming up. I'll take the yeah, Dion, the said Brown, Self, Idiot, McGregor, Plunge McNugget, Brown, Stephen Murdoch, Brown, Paul McFarland, Brown, Estepona right. Boy, Brown. The majority's going Scott Brown. Brown, right, Dex. okay. <laughs> Gary Mackay, Stevens, or Palmer. I mean, I go, Mac- I go Mackay Stephen because at least he beats yeah. his man, gets to the byline. That's my opinion. Can I, can I get my head out there? <laughs> nope. No, we can't. I've, that's how I've deliberately done it to. Uh, uh, I'm going Palmer. I'm going Palmer. No. I think the majority is going Palmer, is it, Stephen? Is that what it's doing? Mm-hmm. 
Tommy, well, there's two from a Kai Stephen, me and Paul, and then two in the there's Steve Murdoch and GMS as well. You know what I mean? That's the Pona boy, none of them, none of them, mate. That's the Pona, I've got to pick one of them. So it's G, can we just play 10 then? Right, but Kai Stephen, and it's for the simple reason, for the simple reason, as I said, he attacks his man, albeit he wasn't the greatest winger in the world, but I just like that flair and gun out of player constantly. That's why I pick him. Okay, and the last two players, Johansson or Kyogo? Kyogo. 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 Not, not even the competition. Johansson was good, but Johansson was good, but I felt he was better under. Well, that would have been Dylan's team, eh? And also, we'll finish. Ada or Griffiths? Ah, the Griffiths, easy. Griffiths. Easy. Mm. Easy. Griffiths. Ada hasn't done anything yet. Right, guys, so the team, the t- and by the way, I meant to say, see, they said when we beat um, St. Johnson back then, Callum McGregor was on the bench. He didn't get brought on. Yeah. He got brought on. So, here, the team is Gordon, Johans, uh, Johnson, Van Dyke, CCV, Izagiri, Armstrong, O'Reilly, Brown, Gary McKay, Stephen, Kyogo, and Griffiths. That's not bad. Like that's not uh, bad. Some a bit different, guys. <laughs> I know. I I seen Frally's face when you said Mackay Stephen. He went. Ah, that's <laughs> that's, that's decent. Like I, I tell you what, I actually enjoyed that wee bit there, Jed. It took us off, and I liked it. And kind of piggybacking off it, there was a survey out, Franny. And we can debate this a wee bit. Obviously, the top one doesn't debate itself, but 17,000 Scottish football. Uh, 17,000 Scottish football fans folded on the, the Scotland's biggest club. So we'll have a look at the table here. So obviously, Celtic out on top, uh, Sevco, Rangers, Newco are second, Aberdeen third, Hearts fourth, Hibs fifth, Dundee United sixth, Motherwell seventh, Dundee eighth, Kilmarnock ninth, and I think the the bottom on there is St Johnson. You can see the top of their bads. Just coming to yourself, uh, quickly, Franny. Are there any surprises in there? Any ones that are missing out? You think they maybe should have been in? Nah, I, I, the only thing I would probably say would I would maybe push Dundee United a wee bit further up, arguably mm. ahead of Hearts. Mm. Mm. I would say I, I don't know, but is that maybe just going off past histories for for them? But. No, I don't think there's too much to argue with that, Stephen. Obviously, depending on what side you're on, you'll, you'll argue first and second till, till the cows come home, so to speak. But I think... You can maybe put hearts above Aberdeen. No, could you? Well, maybe. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't got to say no, because when I was trying to put... Still 2-1, unless that goal got chopped off. I just turned the telly off when it went in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. But I mean, if you if you if you look at it, let's see, three one. I thought it was three one. Boy, that's good. Dundee, Dundee for me. I, I mean, I don't know why they're in it. To be fair, Kilmarnock, St Johnson, Burley fill out their stadiums. I mean, there's teams like Falkirk and that. Do I mean who probably have a bigger attendance than in certain? I know it's nothing to do with attendance, but yeah, we're out on top. I think that's all that matters. Or said, and I mean, we spoke about the Champions League. The Champions League is back. I don't know that Champions League scores tonight. But last night, anyway, Manchester City and Real Madrid were playing. They won their ties. Um, City won 3-1, and I think Real Madrid won 1-0. And obviously, off the back of the conversation we had, who do you think, in your opinion, is favourites to go and lift the trophy? Oh, 
Man City. Uh, with I seen a bit of the game last night, and they're now they're getting their big players back. It's and by the way, Bayern Munich's getting beat off Lazio. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, home or away? Yeah, uh, Lazio are at home. Bayern, I mean Bayern Munich. Are, well, again, I think they. I believe they were second favourites to win it. I just, I cannot see. The only team I can maybe see beating Man City is Real Madrid. Aye. I can't see Arsenal doing it. Uh, I can't, and also, Man City for me, they, they're getting their players back at the right time and they've been there, they know how to do it now. Aye. We've got to manage it. I mean, That's the ties I'm looking at at the minute, and uh, Dion comes in there, Baron have a red card. Franny PSG are beating Real Sociedad 2 0. Lazio are up 1 0 in Bayern Munich. Um, there's a couple of ties we played um, next week in this knockout round. But going off the back of it, I mean, Man City, Haaland, you go for Kevin De Bruyne, all these types of players. And you even look at Real Madrid, still top class operators, know how to win the Champions League. And then you can throw in PSG, Lazio, Bayern Munich in, the, in that discussion. But for me, I have to agree with Jed. I think Man City are probably going to do it. I think mm-hmm. Pep. He's just he's programmed to do it. He's he's done it with them before, and it's a bit a big monkey off his back in, in terms of getting that Champions League trophy of another club. Can you see any any difference here? Can you see a Bayern Munich even coming in later on to make an impact, or anyone from the outside? I mean, I think for me the, I mean, Man City, I think are our favourites. Um, Arsenal, I don't think they will do, it, but it just it just depends on that because it would be in that. I know it's a two leg game, but. A one-off, like the one-off games, might just might just be able to do something. But I would say the only real, the only real sort of a problems that Man City's have Real Madrid. As long as Jude Bellingham stays fit, they're in my shout. That guy's just absolutely a superstar there now, absolute superstar. Um, obviously PSG, they're no, are no problem, but with Mbappe there. You've got a chance, so yeah. I don't think anybody will fancy getting them. If Bayern Munich can then come through this tie, you ju- again, it's not a tie you would want to go is play Bayern Munich, but maybe they've just came under the curse of Harry Kane. It's unreal that, unreal that they've won the league 12 years in the bounce and he's went to them to try and win trophies, and they might be they might now no win a trophy for the first time. Many points lay behind Leverkusen, five, I think, mate. five, five. Five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point-five-point
And I think City are just doing a bit of reaping of what the sow, isn't it? That they have success. United have success. I, I don't see no in between it. For me, yes, money can buy you more success. That's fair enough. But, I mean, if you look at um, United's spending over the course of the last 10 or so years, it's over a billion pounds. And I think City are maybe below that. So I don't really look at it as a, it's a, it's a lesser achievement if they win it. I've seen a lot of arguments saying that recently about that, like if they win the Champions League again. Well, it's it's not a lesser because I'm trying to think. Did Man City really buy anybody of note in the summer? I don't really think they did. It didn't improve massively on the team. Um, it will still be a great achievement. Like the Champions League's a washing money. You need to spend big money to win that yeah. Champions League. Let's not let's not be beat around the bush. Same with the Premier League, but the Premier League's got ridiculous money involved in it. But I think what certainly for me as well, Man City's rise isn't organic like a Man United, like a Liverpool, mm. even a National to an extent who came up with went and got an unfancied manager. Funny enough, for Asia and Arsene Wenger. And then went on to win the league a couple of seasons after that. I appreciate Man United are still uh, spending big, but they're start, they're spending big to try and get back in it. Uh, probably start to try and get back to where they once were and stuff. Whereas Man City, I think it was a boy for Thailand that initially bought them, and then obviously they got bought over for uh, the Qatari State and stuff, or is it Dubai State or Abu Dhabi? I'm not 100 sure where it is, but Sheikh Mansour. <laughs> All of them. It's that neck of the woods. Oil money, anyway. Um, oil money, but in a way that, like, if you look at the community, I think they've done a lot of work within the community and stuff, and they have made a lot of improvements in the surrounding area and, and things like that. But then you look at when the Brom Pep Guardiola didn't he spent 150 million pound on, I think it was two left backs and a right back then, a 30 million on a keeper then went and spent another 30 million. It's Pep Guardiola, I have not got to discredit any achievement, but he's a checkbook manager. Oh, oh, don't know about that. Tell I don't think he bought. Tell me he's not then. I, I, I don't think he bought massive apart from that. I don't, I don't think. I mean, I get what you're Aye, saying. But he inherited, but he inherited like guys like he, well, he bought Ibrahimovic for about 80 million. It wasn't 80 million, Fran. It was nowhere near 80 million. It was about 80 million plus Samuel Eto or something. It wasn't 80 million because the transfer okay. record wasn't 80 million at that time. Aye, but I, look, I get what you're saying, but he can't help who he inherited at Barcelona. No, and no, I think no, a, a lot a of it comes from it. But a lot of it comes from the fact as well where I think Jed said it Johan Cruyff, he revolutionized tactics of football and Barcelona bought into this day, the Messiah Academy and all that. They're brought up with that. All these players are going to be quality even before they kick a ball. So. If you inherit a quality squad, you're not going to sell players to make a shit. You're going to buy players to well, make it better. Do you know I, what I mean? So, he's a textbook manager. I, I, what do you think, Jed, in that one? Do you think he's textbook? I mean, but Franny, look, look at the players that came through the Barcelona youth system Aye. that he took to the next level. Yeah, he did buy a few players as well, but the nucleus of that team came from the youth system. Mm. Aye, he, no, I agree with that. He's a, he is a great manager. And then the people are debating the now. I mean, I know that. Say, trying to talk about English football. Just nah, public manager says, not English football. Football than than Pep Guardiola. It's just what you fancy eh? at the end of the day. Yeah. Nah, it's two it's, different styles. It's just what you prefer, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. So it is. Look, I prefer Pep's like, but again, I do. I'd, I'd like I said, the only team I can see beating them is Real Madrid. But if if 
if Real Madrid's on their game and Man City's on the game, there's only one manner and it's going to be Man City. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've learned from the mistakes from years ago against Man City. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, or against Real Madrid, sorry. The interesting one, obviously, Celtic are going to up a Copenhagen heart. Well, what can you say? Maybe they'll win. We're still top of the league, so it's fine. Yes, we're still top of the league. Just for a wee laugh, Twitter will be good tonight. That 45 shots and goal, 23 in target. 23 in target. They only played six minutes injury time in the first first half. I know, 11 minutes. Aye, it's all right, but nothing to worry about. Not we're still top of the league. Liquidations then we're still bossing it. Right. Just a quick reminder, we're going to do the, the predictions. This is going to be a staple of the podcast on Wednesday for the, the, the SPL games coming up in the weekend, just to go over the table again. Anthony Dunn is out with uh no Ant McGinty is out with 13 points. James nine, Ross nine, myself nine, Willie seven, Jed six, Franny four, Gavin four, and Anthony Dunn, who I thought was top, is last on two. A pretty symbolic performance. And my predictions for this weekend's games, Aberdeen 3, Hibs 1, Celtic 3, Kilmarnock 0, Dundee 2, Ross County 1, Hearts 3, Motherwell 1, Livingston 1, St Mirren 1, St Johnson 1, Rangers 4. Ross is Aberdeen 2, Hibs 0, Celtic 2, Kilmarnock 0, Dundee 2, Ross County 0, Hearts 2, Motherwell 1, Livingston 1 each with St Mirren, St Johnson 0, Rangers 1. He's predicting a tight game at McDermott Park. I just can't see it. Uh, Willie? Aberdeen 2, Hibs 1, Celtic 2, Kilmarnock 0, Dundee 3, Ross County 1, Hearts 2, Motherwell 1, Livingston 0, St Mirren 1, and finally St Johnson 1, Rangers 3. Anthony Dunn comes in here with his predictions. Aberdeen 3, Hibs 1, Celtic 4, Kilmarnock 0, Dundee 1, Ross County 0, Hearts 2, Motherwell 1, Livingston 1, St Mirren 0, St Johnson 1, Rangers 2. This feels like the Diversity final score at five o'clock and we're out the scores in the fitter printer or whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, Bradley comes in. Aberdeen 2, Hibs 0, Celtic 2, Kilmarnock 0, Dundee 2, Ross County 1, Hearts 1, Motherwell 0, Livingston 0, St Merritt 1, and the McDermott Park East predicted St Johnson 0, Rangers 2. Jed has come in with Aberdeen 2, That's Hibs Gavin. 1, Celtic. Oh, Gavin, Jesus. Jesus, what have I done? Where's your one then? Oh, this is Sean Ballard. Stephen's Stephen's done a oh, you. I've done a you. Uh, I've done a you. I'm not. That's mental. Yeah, right, Gavin. Are you can read it. Read yours in at the end. That's Sean Ballard from myself. I'm going to play that intro video from five years ago. Gavin, Aberdeen two, Hibs one, Celtic three, Kilmarnock nil, Dundee two, County one, Hearts two, Mullerwell one, Livingston nil, St Mirren two, St Johnson nil, Rangers two, and um, McGinty. Aberdeen 1, Hibs 1, Celtic 4, Kilmarnock 0, Dundee 2, Ross County 2, Hearts 2, Motherwell 0, Livingston 2, St Mirren 3, St Johnson 1, Rangers 4. And Jed, take it away with your one. What's your score predictions? Aberdeen 2, Hibs 1, Celtic 3, Kilmarnock 0, Dundee 3, Ross County 0, Hearts 3, Motherwell 1, Livingston 1, St Mirren 2, and St Johnston 1, Rangers 1. Oh, I thought I had your son with her. I don't know where it's went. <laughs> That's mental. You've that you got the mixed up with all the sexy Valentine's messages I've been sending you. Well, mate, you sent me a picture. I'm not even going to say it. You sent me this morning. I can't. I'll get us took off. <laughs> but yeah, that's the predictions. We're going to do 
the table every week, update it. And as I said there, um, McGinty's out on top with um, 30 points, which is good. Now, we're going to end on something a bit fun. Obviously, it's Valentine's Day. And I was racking my brains going, I need to find a trivia quiz to do with football, Valentine's Day, and in the round this date, right? So we're just going to do quick fire. It's multiple choice uh, questions. Just a bit of fun. And some of the questions are quite long. So just bear with me, right? So question one. By the way, there's five questions. Whoever gets the most right wins. We know the score. Question one. Jose Mourinho spoiled his rival, Arsene Wenger's Valentine's Day in 2014, by describing him as what? A voyeur he likes to watch people? A specialist in failure? Disconnected from... Whoa, 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 whoa. Disconnected from reality. A little man and a fake. Franny? A specialist in failure. Yep. Did you, did you know that one? I didn't. I, I remember that getting said, but I wouldn't. I, I couldn't have told you who said it and to whom. So I wouldn't have got that one. Yeah, Franny's near sleeping. Yeah, we all know. He, he keeps <laughs> pop, he keeps muting himself and yawning. You know what I mean? But sure, what can we do? Question number two: Which Scotland manager's reign began on a snowy Valentine's night in 1973 with a five-nil loss to England at Hampden Park? Tommy Doherty, Willie Ormond, Ali McLeod, or Jack Sting? Willie Ormond. Yep, Willie Ormond, yep, 100%. So that's one each. Question number three. We just get on great together. I'm just madly in love with her. You couldn't have a, a row with my missus if you tried. She's so laid, she's so, so laid back. Which former Premier League manager had this to say about his wife? Alan Pardry, Alex Ferguson, Chris Coleman, or Harry Redknapp? Harry Redknapp. Hi, Red Nap, yes. I would have said Harry Red Nap as well, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, let's see. Sandra. <laughs> no, I remember <laughs> that name of Celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. Right, we'll be on question four now, yeah? 2-1 to Franny. Which player has turned a romantic gesture for his girlfriend into a trademark celebration, reportedly earning him three million a year? What? Gareth Bale, Luis Suarez, Oisel or Di Maria. Now, when they were playing, there's some of them retired, obviously, but when they were playing football, Bale. who? Bale Garfield. Bale. Two each. Yeah. Yeah. The heart Jesus, is, is he correct, by the way. How, how are we going to work this one out? So, is this going to Franny or are going? No, it's just first. The... Shout. You have to wait to gaze them out, and he's not for us for a jet, I'll be honest with you. Uh, whoa, whoa. Why? Two each. It's the final question. Whoever gets it wins. Mate, right. I'm a scout analysis of trivia master. We can keep going. Yeah. Right, question number five, decider between Jed and Franny. Everyone thinks he has the prettiest wife at home. One of Arsene Wenger's weirder analogies, but which rival manager was upset by it? Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho, Rafa Benitez, or Sam Allardyce? Mourinho. Oh, it's no. Nope. Franny, it's over to you. Oh, it's one, t- it's one of the two of them. This is for you to win it. I'm going to pump for Sam Allardyce. Nope, it was Alex Ferguson. Oh, oh well, I was thinking it was Benitez was the other one. I thought it was between Benitez right. and Sam Allardyce because I can't they didn't get over No, I was Fergie. So Wenger's comment was in response to Ferguson's claim that United were better, a better team in the 2002 title race or something. So that was the explanation for it. <clears throat> so question six. Don't send me flowers when I'm dead. If you like me, send them while I'm alive. Which manager once said this? Brian Clough, Bob Paisley, 
Alex Ferguson or Jose Mourinho? Clough. Brian Clough, surely. Jed got there first. Brian Clough. Free, free two to Jed. There you go. You're going to do a Ross. Now I say it was you. It was Jed. Well done, no, man. That brings us to the end of the, the Double Pivot podcast. As I said, episode three. How have you enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah. I'll have Wednesday. Yeah, all longer than I thought the night, boys. That was it was good yeah. crack. Even I mean, to be fair, Franny, you did enjoy it, but I thought you were going to fall asleep in some quarters. But you're you're still alive. I know. We're all good. Well, <laughs> look, we'll be back um back Friday for a normal podcast, looking forward to the weekend's game. But until then, stay well, keep safe, and happy administration day, everybody. <laughs>